Welcome to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 1450 WXVW. I am Kelly Patrick alongside my two co-hosts Mike Gandolfo and the lovely Ashley Miller brought in by some LL Cool J who will be hosting the Grammys later today. You got love LL. Yeah, Mike, Ashley, how are you doing this morning? Doing well, doing well. Happy Sunday, guys. Plenty to talk about in the world of sports this morning. Mike announced during the knockout hour that Dean Smith, Mm -hmm. who is, I believe, second or third all-time in wins. Is that right? What is he? Well, now, let's see. Behind Bobby and Coach Bobby, and then he did beat Rupp, so I guess he's third. So, So, and Rupp would be fourth. Okay. Is that right? Yeah. Sounds right. But uh, he passed away this morning, so breaking news across the airwaves, especially in the world of college basketball. Dean Smith, the founder, or maybe not the founder, but the guy who really brought North Carolina basketball, and someone, you know, many players such as Michael Jordan or Sam Bowie or James Worthy into the, I'm sorry, not Sam Bowie, Sam Perkins. Sam Perkins, yes. Sam Perkins. Many of the great basketball players that everybody grew up watching who played at North Carolina, played under Dean Smith, well, including the all-time greatest. Yeah, including like Vince Carter and all those guys. Anton Jameson. All the way till the end of his career. And uh, one of those guys that if you had to make a uh, Mount Rushmore of college basketball, I would think you'd have to put Dean Smith on there. Uh, and uh, It's very tragic for the college basketball world. I guess it, it looks like he his memory, uh, they never used the word Alzheimer's, but his memory had been slipping over the last couple years. And, uh he passed away quietly in front with his uh, family in attendance, and last night at his home. And uh, uh, you know, uh, obviously, one of those guys in college basketball is just one of those icons, especially if, if you wanted to be a coach. No question about it. Um, plenty of other things to talk about in the world of sports. The Louisville Cardinals coming off a, you can say, disappointing la- uh, loss last night against Virginia. Seven o'clock last night, they played at Virginia. And they lost to the number three ranked, what is it, Virginia Cavaliers? Yeah, Virginia, the, the Wahoos. The Wahoos. And, 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 and that was a, a, they were favored, I'm sorry, Virginia was favored to win by six and a half points. Louisville ends up losing by five, 47-52 in a defensive battle. Yeah, I mean, when you score 13 points in the first half and you're only down by nine or 11, well, 15, what, they had 13 or 15, 13 points at halftime, yeah, they were down by 11. Yeah, 13. And they were down 11 at halftime, so they were still right there because their defense was – Louisville's defense was was really good too. Um, and statistically, Louisville didn't shoot really that bad compared to how um, – uh, We were at 19% compared, at the half. Okay, <laughs> but I'm talking about – second compared, half was really good. Compared to how Virginia shot, Louisville shot 37% from the field. Virginia shot 33.3. Louisville shot 21% from the three-point land, 21.4. Virginia, 14.3. So Louisville, I mean, free throws, 76% for Louisville, 72 for Virginia. So Louisville actually statistically shot better. Obviously, they didn't score as many points, but it was a defensive struggle. Louisville was, was projected to lose by 6.5, and, and they lost by 5. It is tough to win on the road, especially in conference. Kentucky won by 5 at a, a, a Florida team last night. who won't even go to the tournament in all likelihood. Uh, definitely doesn't look good. Now, I mean, let's not let's face it. This Florida team still has a lot of talent. They Always had, will have a lot of talent as long as Billy Donovan's there. They've had trouble putting it together for whatever reason. They lost a lot of senior leadership last year, and they're replacing a lot of bigger roles than just good basketball players. And um, Florida, that game last night was probably my biggest concern on SEC's on the SEC schedule, just because it is Florida. That's a it's a hard place to play. 
uh, and Florida had enough talent that people ranked them in the top ten at the beginning of the country, I mean, beginning of the year. Um, before losing to the likes of uh, before, yeah, I mean, they Eastern. Got, they got off to. Did they lose to Eastern? Miami lost to Eastern. Miami lost to Eastern. Yeah. That's right. They got off to a really bad start, and uh, they've you know they've struggled putting it together. But a team like that, as Ashley will tell you, is always capable of having that one game that does put it together. Mm-hmm. And uh, it looked for a while like Florida might have had that game. Um, and uh, but I was I was pretty pleased with how I just hate nine o'clock games. I was. It was in and out of sleep kind of thing. No question about it. Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line is 502-384-1450. We encourage anyone who's listening, wants to chime in on any of the topics that we're, we're discussing, now, how- or anything else you want to talk about in the world of sports, let us know. Uh, we got plenty to talk about this morning. For the most part, probably revolving around college basketball, I think. Yeah, I would think so. But I want to know one thing real quick. How how many straight games has this been for Louisville where they've only had four guys score? That is really rough. Looking across the box score. Uh, Shinano started, um, didn't score. Mango played 20 minutes, didn't score. It's he not tried, a good sign. He tried a little bit of everybody, too. He just he kept on trying to do whatever combination he could get in there. And th- We didn't even really talk about this, but when they had that week off, after the was it after the Duke loss, right? And they he had that uh, scrimmage where the, he took the four guys who score. Just a couple weeks ago, yeah. Yeah, and didn't let them play. He's he's searching for that next guy to kind of step up, a to be the leader next year when all four of those guys are gone because that's the that's the other thing. All four of these guys that are scoring are not coming back next year. We don't know that. There was times that we thought we thought Montrez at this point last year people were saying Montrez was gone. So who's who's for coming sure. who's coming back? Well, you know Chris and we Tim don't Wayne, know. You know Chris and Wayne are coming back. You know Montrez. obviously Chris and Wayne are coming back, but either Terry or Montrez could come. You back. You think Montrez could come back? He certainly he could. Certainly might need to. Well, he's he's definitely <laughs> slipped. I think in the I'm, draft board. I'm not. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not saying he will, but keep in mind, year over year, a lot of the times mid season we're saying, oh, Earl Clark's gone, and sometimes those guys do come back. Montrez. It's not always under the best of circumstances. It's not like they're passing up a lottery. Um, option or something like Do you like feel that. like Montrez could improve his draft stock by coming back? Or it would just yeah. fit more? I don't. Actually, I think that if, because there was two things, or actually one thing in particular that he was working on all off season, and that was um, improving his jump shot. So we've also seen that he's definitely had the confidence to shoot that 15-footer and beyond several times a season, not necessarily... It doesn't always look good. Well, here's, so, what, here's what I know about the NBA draft. My, the, they don't want to draft seniors. They, they, at that point, they feel like you've lost today. a year and you've got a year of development under what they want to develop you under that's gone. They don't, they're, you're too old at that point to draft a senior. The other thing is, is the NBA has shown me, and I, I want to know what you all feel, the more information they have to scrutinize you, the more they have inf- – that's what it is. The, the more information they give you, the more they pick you apart. They would rather draft off the unknown and the potential. I agree with you, you're and right. that's why the NBA is terrible. That's right. why I'm not ter- debating that. Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that's why. Right. I would argue that's why the NBA is great. Is because guys that. like coming from France or wherever can out come in and outwork somebody. And I, I would argue that that's a, a pro in my eyes to the NBA because – it doesn't matter how popular you are in the United States. There are obviously guys like Anthony Davis who are extremely popular and they excel when they get to the league. But you're going to have to go in there and you're really going to have to work well, to I beat somebody out from overseas. Yeah, or I don't even D- think it's D-league about the, route, the popularity. It it's the fact that they are drafting people off of potential 
And many of those guys never reach that potential. And so you've got these guys in the NBA that are essentially busts that aren't really that good because they never even got to the point where whoever scouted them thought they would be in a couple of years. So you have these guys playing big-time NBA minutes, and it sucks to watch. Don't get me on start on the advantage those international players have over the They're uh, killing it. American players. They get to make money. I'm talking about in the draft. They're killing it in so many different ways. The, the, but the international guys have such a, an advantage over the American guys in the draft, and it's not uh, it's the system's broken from that standpoint. And that's what I really like about our new Major League Baseball commissioner coming about, coming out and saying, "Hey, let's, we're going to possibly introduce an international player draft to go along with our American player draft." And I hope if the NBA would do that, that would that would level out that playing field. Actually, it would be nice because then you're not seeing these guys that are getting drafted that aren't even going to be in the league for another two or three years. They're just doing it because they don't have to pay them right away. That's really the reason why those international. So I think are there. there should be a separate a separate draft. Plenty of other subtopics we could go off into, all very relevant to no. the world of college basketball. Uh, real quick, the weekend sports buzz is brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. Call five zero two five eight seven zero zero four one to reach the best personal injury attorney in the city of Louisville. Some other topics we will probably get to today. Let's at least address the elephant in the room. The Bobby Petrino gray shirt scandal. Keith Olbermann versus Bobby Petrino 2015 is something we're going to discuss. Chris Paul criticizing the female referee, having that, being that we have one of our, our, um, our co-hosts, Ashley, is obviously a very accomplished basketball player. Female will have an interesting perspective on that. Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line is 502-384-1450. We are going to head to the buzz line now. We have our man Brian the Insider on the line with us. How are you doing this morning, Brian? Good morning, Kelly. How are you doing? Great. Good Hello, morning, Ashley. Brian. Hi, Ashley and Mike. How are both of you doing this morning? Hey, buddy. How's it going? I have to doing tell good. you that my face just lights up whenever he says Brian the Insider is <laughs> on the phone. Oh, I love that. that. Thank you very much. I'm interested to hear what you, what you think, Ashley, about the Chris Paul situation. I, I found that a little reprehensible, his comments, but I, I can't wait to hear your comments. Hey, I wanted to get into horse racing. Um, big day, two prep races yesterday. Dortmund, undefeated Big Brown Colt, who's in the top ten of everybody's uh, uh, derby picks, he very, if you, if you get a chance, Mike, go back and look if you didn't see it. He, he lost it in the stretch, came back, uh, beat firing line, very gutsy performance to stay unbeaten, picked up another ten points, and far from over, was far from over for sure. He fell at the gate in the withers at Aqueduct, another derby ten-point deal, was spotted everybody ten lengths and came flying to beat uh, the three to five favorite El Kabir, very impressive performance. A, a blame Colt, now, who's now two for two. So next week is the end of the uh, ten point silly season uh, derby stuff, and then we move right into the following week to the Fountain of Youth and the fifty point. It'll go fifty for the winner, twenty for second, ten for third, and five for four. So things are really going to heat up. Uh, and one other big topic in horse racing that I was really interested in was the showdown yesterday between California Chrome and we all know his owners and all the publicity he's gotten against Shared Belief who was undefeated going into the classic great great duel Shared Belief looks like he might be a super freak he's now nine for ten very impressive uh, just handwritten in by Mike Smith in a great time Mike Smith said Probably one of the best horses performances I've ever been on with a lot of room to go. And he is a gelding, so we're going to see a lot of shared belief. But he's now 9 for 10 and looks like maybe the best 
handicap older horse uh, in recent memory. So very, very, very uh, uh, impressive win by him. Hey, I wanted to just shout a few things out before I listen to your guys' comments. On, on the gray shirting situation, I think it had two, two big things with that. One, obviously, Coburn did not want it and did not accept it. Uh, and, and that's really what caused it all going. And then the lightning rod that Bobby Petrino is. But, you know, I live in Ohio. This gray shirting, I think it shows really how uh, much Kentucky fans really don't know much about big-time college football recruiting because it happens all the time. Uh, Cardell Jones, the star of the national championship game, he went to Ohio State fully expecting to be gray shirted. Uh, it, Ohio State does it all the time. They had a, a quarterback a few years ago that was a gray shirt. The big programs do it all the time. The big problem here was that first Coburn said, no, he didn't want to do it. Uh, but mainly, the, in my opinion, 100% of it was the fact that Bobby Petrino is a lightning rod and an easy criticism. But it happens all the time. And I tell you, just one other comparison. If you look at what happens in basketball when they're on the roster, take example Cal. When he went to Kentucky, there was a lot of players on that roster that weren't going to play for Cal. He cleaned them out. Petino does it all the time. These are guys that are on scholarship in a university on the team that the coaches kick off the team because they can. So I think this is a lot to do about nothing. It happens in big-time college football all the time. The problem is in Kentucky, we don't know much about big-time college recruiting. So it's become a bigger deal. And uh, one other thing I wanted to comment on, Trez and Terry Rozier are gone Please listen to Patino's comments. He's made it very clear. They're gone. They're not coming back. Uh, but Louisville still has a shot to get their fourth straight 30-win season. I looked at the calendar. If they win some uh, tournament games and, in the ACC and the other one, it's still going to be a very successful year. But uh, that's all I've got, guys. Excited about the Derby. Thank you very Thanks, much, Brian. Brian. Have a great rest of your weekend. We appreciate the updating. The update, as always, on the world of horse racing, which I know, Mike, you, you track leading a up A little to, bit. It's, it's not, not nearly like him, like him. Nothing like Brian. Not that far away from the Derby 2015. Well, less than 100 days. I know that. We're like, yeah, you know, I saw like 80-something in the 80-something days, yeah. That, this is where I get my horse racing from, from the Courier Journal. I read it every day. <laughs> sure. Um, so I can tell you all that it was my dream as a child, growing up in Louisville, to one day own a horse that raced in the Derby. Wow. Nice. I didn't realize how much money that cost. No, that's an obtainable <laughs> dream for the normal person. I mean, that's the thing that's great like, about that's horse racing. That's what I really want to do. I want to own a horse. That, so if that ever happens in the next decade that I become super rich, I tell I'm, st- I'm going to call your dad and he's going to um, scoop out everything for me. I sure. tell you all the story all the time about my buddy uh, who got into the right syndicate and ha- ended up having a horse in the Breeders' Cup. And then there's the the guy, if you have ever been to Mama's uh, Mustard and Barbecue. Yeah, or barbecue I love that mustard. place. They're f- Let's have a moment of silence for how good their barbecue is. And their wings are amazing. <laughs> their wings are so uh, They're not sponsoring the show. They need to. The, uh, <laughs> but that guy opened that restaurant because he happened to invest in a horse named Mucho Macho Man who came in second in the Derby and won the Breeders' Cup Classic. But he was an average, you know, just a normal guy. Regular That's guy. the great thing about horse racing. Trust me that my horse would be a filly. All right. There we go. I'm just saying. Okay. Or it would be a really pretty. Well, then, then that is actually very interesting. Being this Kentucky Derby point standing system excludes Phillies. I know from the running for the Derby. Am I right, Mike? Oh, I don't think so. Does I don't think it completely no, excludes. I, mean, right? can, I think it makes it harder. They just got the Phillies have to enter those right races. I mean, we need the right races. Philly to shatter the glass. Maybe ceiling. Brian <laughs> will call back in to correct I'm, I'm me on sure that. I'm not sure on that. I, I, I should be careful before I say that. Regardless. 
We touched on some other hot-button topics right now in the world of sports. Obviously, the gray shirting issue, the Chris Paul versus the female referee topic. Before we head to our, our first break of the show, you guys want to uh, – any comments on either of those? Yes. Okay. So here's my thing. The, the gray shirting and the rescinding of scholarships is not the issue. Okay? That happens all the time. And this is completely different even than the, co- the coaches uh, telling a kid that they have a better opportunity to go play somewhere else – once, once they're even under a scholarship. The issue, and Bobby Petrino in previous comments have e- has even mentioned this, the issue is doing it two days before signing day when the kid can't go take other visits, he stayed committed the entire time, and his options are very limited at that time. Why didn't he have a backup option? Because he was committed to the University of Louisville. And does he not know that a commit means that you can be gray-shirted? Is he not aware of that? If, the gray shirt the option he's taking in advice. college football, the gray shirt option is discussed way before two days before the national signing day. Well, to I, give the kids I will definitely say that the timing sucks. It if sucks. I, if it's I'm ruthless. a kid, I'm like, I don't know if I can say that word on air, but that sucks. Like that would be, I'd be really upset. I'd be really pissed off, being heartbroken to an extent because this is the school that I chose to go to. This is the school I committed to. I kept my end of the deal. However, if that's my child. I'm also going to say that sucks, but you learned a hard lesson in this situation that you always have to have a backup plan. You never, and that stuff happens in life doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean it's right at all, but that stuff happens all the time. Yeah, and at the same time, I mean, the people who do understand big-time college football recruiting, this kid's high school coach knows it was wrong. They, you know, obviously banning him from trying to come in there. And there's other schools in South Carolina that are banning Louisville from coming in. This is not the reputation Bobby Petrino wants to get as a recruiter. Why not? Well, and honestly, at the end of the day, I hear that stuff because I was reading about it yesterday. But it's that, to me, is that's fluff. At the end of the day, it goes back to what we've talked about in this room before, that winning cures everything. If Bobby Petrino is putting guys in the NFL – those those coaches are going to change their mind. They're going to say, you know what, that sucked what he did, but this guy is a winning program, and he has a, a very high potential putting you in the NFL. So two years from now, it's a non-issue. But right now, it's something to talk about because there's nothing else to talk about in the world of college football. Right he now. did this when he was at Arkansas, upset a lot of the people in the Texas Coaching Association. Um, there is This is not this is not the way you're supposed to conduct business. According to who? Nick Saban does it. I mean, if you want to be a Nick Saban does not do it two days Nick Saban time. has sent guys who are injured and were top recruits. He has sent them and said, oh, by the way, now you're a gray shirt. Nick Saban has done some of the most ruthless things in recruiting in the world. So tell guess me the what? timing. Tell guess me the what? Timing. He's always elite. Tell me the timing on it. I don't track each and every single one of them. But the yes, timing is, is it what ru- the issue is. Is it ruthless? Do you think it's fair that someone comes in, gets injured, and they ha- they say, oh, by the way, now you're a gray shirt and you're, you're done. You're not going to play for us anymore? Speaking of which, Paul, what about Paul Petrino? Paul Petrino also. Paul Petrino taking the kid with cancer, honoring his scholarship. The kid will never play football at Idaho, but he honored his scholarship because he it wants to, uh, even though he found out that he has cancer. That's very impressive. However, and I can try to draw a parallel here, Rex Ryan hired as the Bills coach brings in Richie Incognito. And I know it sounds like I'm supporting sleazebags. Maybe I am. Maybe I am. Maybe I am. Richie Incognito, if the guys in that Bills locker room want a guy who's shouting racial epithets and whatever it is, whatever type of bullying that he promotes in a locker room, the guys in the Buffalo Bills locker room embrace him, and they're happy he's going to be on their team. And Rex Ryan has embraced it. He said he wants to field a team of bullies. And that type of 
mentality, unfortunately, is what wins the barbaric sport of football. Is what wins games. So, but why? So but Steve Gradthorpe was a super nice guy. He didn't do anything like this gray shirting scandal. The gray shirt super is nice not the guy. issue. Super nice guy, Steve Cragthorpe. Gray shirting. We don't want that, time. do we? I gray don't. shirting is not the issue. It is not a gray shirting issue. What's the issue then? The, the timing t- of the issue and removing the kids' options. That is the issue. The gray shirting happens everywhere all the time. Rick Nord at U of L was gray shirted. That happens, but they explain to the kid beforehand. Hey, this is you know, and and you have plenty of time if you want to go make other choices. We'd love to have you. You know, you've got weeks still to make your decision and explore your options. What if the kid would have bailed out on Louisville at the last minute? Well, let's say he could have done that. You're you're a head coach of a program and what we call an up and coming program because we'll say that we're basically we're rebuilding. Can we agree on that? It's a rebuilding. Yeah. After after a nine-win season still. I mean, But still, like with a new coach, doesn't have his own players. He's trying to build his own roster. And he's recruited. His his guys have gone out and recruited all of these people, right? And, of course, just like an airplane, they oversell the flight, right? Which happens all the time. Happens all the time, right? So you find out at the last minute, and we don't know who that guy is because a lot of people are like, oh, they took his scholarship to give to this guy who's a sleazebag. Like, I mean, we don't know. That is... An assumption. So say that you have some guy or several guys at the last minute, four-star players that you weren't expecting to commit to Louisville, and they did. And now you're like, crap, i gotta, I got to find a scholarship for these guys. At the last minute, because most of these decisions, most of the kids don't say, for the last year, I'm going to go to this school. They make their decision in the last week or last 24 hours or whatever. You're the head coach. You've got all these guys that have committed along the way that are signing, signing in their paperwork, and you're like, I'm a scholarship short. What do you do? You're two days before the, the deadline. It sucks for everybody, but I would personally hate to be in Bobby Petrino's shoes because then you're like, if I pull the scholarship from this kid and ask him to be a gray shirt, that's going to be a media frenzy, and I'm going to look like a jerk. If I don't, and I say, sorry, four-star player, you you, we talked to you a little bit too late. We don't have room for you. He's going to look like an idiot. And they're going to say, well, we needed these guys, but you said no because you wanted to keep this one guy. Like, it's a terrible situ- situation to be in. So either way, it's like, I would not, you cannot pay me to be Bobby Petrino Nick, during those decision-making processes. Nick Saban asked a top recruit, Christian Bell, to gray shirt two days before National Signing Day. Why aren't we talking about that? That, right. ju- that just happened. I guess because the kid accepted it. Okay, so if the kid... Ex- so basically, I think, oh, honestly, okay. and, and, and it seemed like from the stuff that I was reading yesterday that it wasn't necessarily the kid making a stink, it was his coach or the athletic department Pardon. at his school um, making a big stink about it. Because if I'm the kid, I'm like, dang. Well, you don't want to make a stink because you won't want that to hurt you going somewhere, somewhere else. Somewhere else, exactly. So I, 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 it sucks for everybody involved, I think. And I think it sucks for Petrino to... It doesn't actually, suck for Louisville football. It doesn't suck for the program because we still have the other guys that we wanted. However, the fact, if I'm the kid, although it may like be a kick to my ego, I take the gray shirt. The gray shirt because if that's where I really wanted to go to school and that's where I really wanted if to play... If you can afford it. What do you mean if you can afford it? Well, I mean, I guess your options at the gray shirt is you either enroll... He would enroll January, in January. That's what I said. Or you pay for your first semester. Yeah, it said he would enroll in January, which means he's still going to be on scholarship, which means you get an extra however many months at home unless you actually wanted to come to school early and pay for that first semester. So if I'm the kid, I'm going to come to school and be like, you know what? I can get an extra semester. Well, that's me. I'm a nerd. But 
If that's where I wanted to be, I'm going to go to school. Yeah. If that's the school I wanted to be in, I'm still going to go. And it might suck. And that hap- I think that happens in sports. It happens in at the next level. But it's not like he's missing out on a – he's going to miss a season. It's all very ruthless. The NFL, you get hurt. Good luck. Oh, here's a bunch of medical bills. You're done. Good luck in life. You're just completely set up for failure financially and now physically. I mean, NFL – and my, my whole message is that football is a barbaric sport. It, it, there's a lot of parts of it that are not pretty. And that's just reality. Brian actually is back on the line with us. Brian, what do you have for us? Hey, Mike, I just got a quick question for you. Do you. I know the timing is bothering you. What about the timing when a kid goes to Kentucky or Louisville in basketball, like, and they're on the roster, they're on the team, they've moved on to campus, and then their scholarship gets pulled, like Cal did to a lot of players, and Patino's done. It's yeah. a common practice. I mean, isn't that – I would much rather have my son told in advance – to even albeit two days in advance, then actually have them on campus on the team, and then find out, hey, you got it. We don't have a spot for you. We're pulling our scholarship. I mean, I, I would much rather have it done up front. Well, it just happened. It just happened to a Coy, right? At U of L, and then I think it's going to happen to somebody else at U of L. Well, it happened. It happened with a lot of guys <laughs> in Kentucky. When Cal it, happened, it happened with Cal. The difference to me when it happened with Cal is he came in the door and he had this pool of talent that was left by Billy Gillespie. And it's either going to fit your system or not going to fit your system. I don't see. I don't. Those kids I don't. Aren't important. Those kids. No, aren't I'm not. You're not, I'm not. That's not. Actually, I feel like what doing that tells the kids that they are important. Hey, this is the way we're going to do things. You may or may not fit. You wow. may. You probably won't fit into this system. I'm going to help you find somewhere else wow. to go. They're not under a time crunch. That's a horrible double standard. That there. is not I mean, a double standard. It's a completely different scenario. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they're on campus and they've moved there, and everybody knows they're on the team. This kid never even came to the city of Louisville. And, and these guys are on campus, on the team, and they're told, you got to get off. You're done. We if, don't have a spot for you. If, if, let's use a coy as an, as an example, okay? A coy, just because I know the ins and outs of the, of the situation, and that, that's the only reason why I'm going to use that situation. A coy and Rick have a conversation before the season starts, okay? And Rick says, hey, I don't know if, if you know, we've got all these other big guys coming in. I'm not sure if we're going to have a spot for you to play. And Akoi says at that time, hey, I want to, I want to, I want to take a chance at it. I want, to just, I want to see how the first semester goes and see if I can kind of get into that rotation. And at that end of the semester, Akoi realizes that he's not going to get to where he needs to be, to be in that rotation, and he has an opportunity to play somewhere else. So would you, as a kid, rather have the opportunity to sit the bench I mean, I'm sure Derek Willis could go play somewhere else if he wanted to, and I'm sure that they've had those conversations. And he, and, and he may get booted too. I mean, you're, you're missing the point. These kids are on school; they're on campus for a year scholarship. Now, Okoye might have agreed to do it. Yeah, these scholarships are one-way deals, and they're on campus. Cal comes in and says, "You're not good enough. You're gone." You think those kids at Kentucky did not want to finish their career at Kentucky? You think these are all happy? Oh, okay, coach, you got better guys to come in. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, the kid wants to go. Probably more than likely wants to go somewhere he can play. But Coburn just got completely shafted, and his whole dream was to come to Louisville. I think you're looking at it with your blue shade. No, not at all. Because yeah. I just used a U of O analogy the other way. The difference yeah, well, is, is that the, how, how about the Cal analogies? When he came in, and they all got. Th- let's interview some of those kids and find those out how kids they have felt. a chance to go visit and make a smart decision on what they've got to do. Two days before, you have no way of going and and following up on a backup plan. There's, He's got plenty of time to go. They're not enrolled yet. I mean, we're talking about next year's football team. These kids got kicked off while they were on campus. 
I don't understand. If I, my son's at a school and he's on the team and a new coach comes in and says, you're not good enough, you're gone. I don't know how that's any better. There's than- a difference between you're not good enough and you don't fit the system. I think there's a there's a oh, difference wow. between that 100%. And it does. So you so you're not in favor of Rick doing that either. And to me, it's a lot worse when Rick does it to a kid who he recruited instead of Cal doing it to kids he didn't recruit. What could easily happen with Derek Willis? I mean, uh, it, and I wouldn't be surprised if it does. And it might have happened with Kyle Wilcher. Yeah, so exactly. So but look how well saying- it worked out for Kyle Wilcher, but Kyle Wilcher had the time to make the decision that was right for him. This kid's and got that, all kind of time. I think no, he doesn't. I think either way, they have they're full. It doesn't make it right. These kids, whether so, he's they've committed, they've moved their entire lives to a location, whether it's Lexington or Louisville, and all of a sudden it's like, oh wait, you know what? We don't want you anymore. Bye. And Witcher had a wait. A a- <laughs> this doesn't have to wait a year. You're talking about transferring, waiting a year out. And, and, and this kid will find if he's good enough, he'll find his he's way going on to Marshall. Roster. Is he not? Is he going to Marshall? I haven't seen that yet. But I mean, you're acting like this kid is blackballed from the NCAA. This kid gets to play next year. When Cal kicks or Patino kicks someone off, they got to sit out a year. They got the embarrassment of knowing at their high school that they didn't cut it at this program. Happens all the time. I'm not blaming Cal or Patino. It's big time stuff. I just think this whole thing has gotten blown. It's a joke for big time programs to hear how Kentucky fans have taken this program. This red shirt deal and blown it up. Well, the way I look at it, everyone in the nation seems to have an issue with this, except for Louisville fans. So it doesn't seem to be a blue white thing to me. When the national media hits on it, it's on Mike and Mike. It's on Keith Olbermann. All Why, it, it's Sports though? Illustrated. Why? Everyone is taking this to that level because it's because not they hate deep. because it. Everybody it's Petrino. hates Petrino, and everyone, that's fine. Everyone's against that, Louisville. Everyone's every, against Louisville. That's exactly what no, it is. No, I think everyone hates Bobby I, I, Petrino. I mean, who's, being, who's being naive here? If if It seems like just Louisville fans are the ones that are okay with this, and the rest of the country is not. I don't know about that. rest of the country. Wow, that's a... I tell you, Mike, that's a big statement there, and I beg to disagree with you on this, but I think you're looking at this with the basketball deal, and in my opinion, is a much worse deal when you get pulled a scholarship, have to sit out a year, got a transfer, then telling a kid, we don't have a spot for you. You're, In our opinion, you're not good enough to play, and this kid's going to be eligible to play next year. I think it's a big to-do about nothing, but thanks for letting me back on, guys. I love the program. Thank I, you very I much, totally, Brian. I just Brian, totally disagree with that. Brian though. getting some serious... Uh... Shots in there before we... We need a water break. <laughs> we, need a water break. we gotta go take a break, right? Brian referred to a horse. I forget the name of the horse. No one knows about the horse anymore. He referred to a horse as potentially a super freak. So mm-hmm. being the... <laughs> oh, God. I assume share, this is... Share belief. And you know I love you, Brian. Yeah, that was some good stuff there. Yeah. From Brian the Insider and Mike Gandolfo going at it over recruiting tactics. I feel like a referee now. I think it means that Louisville and the state of Kentucky as a whole is definitely more on the map when it comes to the sport of football. So we'll see. We'll be back with more after these break. After this break, more of the Weekend Sports Buzz. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 1450 WXVW, coming at you every Sunday from 10 until noon. The Weekend Sports Buzz is brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. Call 502-587-0041 to reach the best personal injury attorney in the city of Louisville. Got plenty to talk about this morning. We got into a 
Brian the Insider versus Mike. He, very heated debate regarding the the gray shirting topic, which is. Certain- I thought I thought this was the knockout hour for a second. Yeah, <laughs> it, lo- it looked like there was punches being thrown there. That that was a, a, a serious debate. We've also got Louisville basketball coming off a loss. Kentucky coming off a closer than a expected win on the road against Florida. We got the Chris Paul criti- criticizing the female NBA official topic to get to. Where do we want to head with this, you guys? Do we want to continue with the gray shirting? Well, what time? What time we got uh, our man coming on? Do we we got to announce our guest, right? We're, we're, we're looking to channel our man Mark Blankenbaker of thecrunchzone.com. We have not actually my former got co-host. Your former co-host. That's right. That's how I got started in this gig. They, Mark for a long time was the the Saturday co-host alongside Tyler Bloyd, and then and then ended up doing it. Just how long was the run for just Mike and Mark? Not very long. Uh, maybe. Three or four months. Okay, uh, that's a solid run. You guys yeah. know each other well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I've, I've been to his house, and you know, so some good shows. I remember listening to some of that. Good, very good stuff. We'll see if we can get Mark on the line. Um, we don't have him as of right now. Where okay. do we want to take this for now? Open up the phone lines five zero two three eight four fourteen fifty is I'm the Oxford Ford Lincoln buzz I'm interested line. in what other people feel about the fact that you're. I'd, I'd like to know people's opinion, and I want to just clear my my thought on this. Two days before a kid, before National Signing Day, it, it, to me it's all about the, how the kid, the kid's options, okay? Because these classes are full on National Signing Day. It's not like he can go anywhere else. He's got to go find someone who has an opening, someone who's willing at, at that point. Or he can accept back, the gray shirt. Or he can accept the gray shirt. What's so bad ex- about accepting the gray shirt? You know what? And um, I would say for linemen, and I think linemen, it's it, it's usually a pretty good thing because it, it gives you a year. You know, you almost have like six years now that. Yeah, you have extra year, time to develop your body. So, so, and so, so, so why back. is it so bad? Why are we making such a stink out of it? Why has Keith Olbermann labeled Bobby Petrino as the devil? Because of the timing. It's but the timing. again, so then it's like, why isn't anybody talking about what? Kelly talked about earlier the fact that Nick Saban did the exact same thing on the exact same day with another kid. Like it's, no one else is talking about that. Because everybody's because known that Nick Saban that. is a piece of dirt in in the in the public That's side. But Nick Saban true. wins championship after championship, so people think it's okay because it's Alabama. Nick Saban can do what he wants. He takes plenty of criticism from his rivals. No, no question about and it. And then he also t- uh, criticized for taking a player that was dismissed from Georgia. Nick Saban was as well too. You know, maybe it's. Uh, I don't know why it's not a bigger deal on the national scale. I mean, obviously, I think it's a bigger deal locally because it's our local coach. But it's getting national attention. I I tune on. I tune into ESPN Sports Center, and that's what you see them talking about. Absolutely, is that Bobby Petrino is a piece of dirt. And then, uh, and and so I really don't know. I mean, I I I can't answer why Saban because Saban is just as guilty if that's all that stuff happened. And you know, I don't I don't agree. When what he's doing either. It's a delicate balancing act in I that agree. you, you, you want to beef up your recruiting class at all costs. Louisville's coming in, what, 30th right now, according to most rankings? Yeah, 29th Okay, you want to, ground. by all means, I mean, these guys are getting paid. Bobby Petrino and the assistants are getting paid so much money at this program. You want to do what's called over-signing. And the reason you want to do that is because, inevitably... Some of these guys are going to flip at the last minute. Well, and if you that, don't under, oversign, then you're going to end up having some local kid. I, I know that it sounds like this is ruthless, but it is. Let's embrace it for what it is. It's ruthless. You're going to have some local kid come in and fill that spot, and it's not going to be somebody who's going to actually contribute on the big level. The funny thing about that, too, is I guess that the, from what I understand from college football coaches, you oversign knowing that even after they sign, the chances of all of them getting to campus 
It's slim. It's, it's very it's slim. zero. It's yeah. It doesn't happen. What doesn't happened? Happen. Regardless of if you're Alabama or Ohio State or whoever you are. So yeah. I asked. I, I use the analogy of an air of an airplane right. because every time it never fails I go to the airport and they're like this flight was oversold now you mean to tell me that they took money from all these people knowing good and well that not everyone could fit they were hoping somebody didn't show up well in this particular instance everybody showed up now what happens you get offered what an extra trip a free trip or something mm-hmm. like that so you have a choice you can stand there and make a stink and try to get on another flight to get you to your destination exactly when you wanted to be there or you can take the free trip and you, you you still end up getting both. So, but you're not getting both in this situation. You could if you take the gray shirt. You could. Ju- you're My- just not getting to your destination when you thought you wanted to be there. But yeah, so you're getting the delay. You're getting delayed. But you're not getting the free trip. Well, you're still getting a trip to. You're still getting a semester of scholarship um, to be in school if you come in January. So you have that, and you have the time to train and all that stuff. So you're basically getting. You're getting to your final destination. It's just going to take you a little bit longer than expected. Anyway. It's vicious. It's ugly. It is. It's vicious. There's all sorts of ugly sides to it. I've interviewed ex-NFL players who experience horrible things after playing on a practice squad in the NFL and then have no option but to file bankruptcy because they're left with a, a pile of medical bills. It's ruthless. Life is rough. That is the message that Kelly Patrick is sending. Life is not always, quote, fair. I will tell you, too, the, cool, the interesting stat that I thought came out of this whole thing, and I don't know if you all saw this or not, in the Super Bowl this year, well, in the NFL in last the last season, two um, a third of the league was undrafted free agents. Very interesting stuff. And then there was not a single five-star high school football recruit that played in the Super Bowl. Which, you know, tells you, I think, that football recruiting in general, it's... it's it's flawed. When the NFL has it's a whole different animal. When the NFL has so many different resources to try to make the best decision on who they're going to draft, and yet a third of their league is undrafted free agents, and then of course we even saw it this year with Teddy and Johnny Manziel, right? I mean, how how Cleveland chose to take Teddy, and now in hindsight, it just looks ridiculous. Um, they, they paid a hundred thousand dollars for someone the, to perform the, a study. The study says, comes back and says take, take Teddy Bridgewater, right? The owner runs into a homeless guy on the street and, and take Johnny. he says, take Johnny. So therefore they go with Johnny, who I think it may be a little premature, but I, I think we're pretty accurate in saying drafting Johnny Manziel to Cleveland was a bust. Yes. And then the um, and then for there not to be a single one of these five star recruits be in the super to be in the Super Bowl is uh, to me it's it's really eye opening just about how inexact of of a science football recruiting really is. So Other topics that we have. Um, Let's get uh, into the women referee right thing. Okay. Right. Yeah, so you all explained that to me what happened because I had not looked that up yet. Kelly, <coughs> I, I know the basis. I know Chris Paul got This is what happened. Chris Paul and the Los Angeles Clippers like to run a fast-paced offense that is in large part very based on getting the ball after a made basket from the other team. You, you inbounds it very quickly, okay? And you're running up and down the court, and you're throwing an alley-oop to Blake Griffin or something like that. Chris Paul had his guy throwing the ball in immediately after the made basket, and the female referee grabbed it and said, uh-uh. Right. She said, uh-uh. We're not letting you do this. I'm going to dictate that. She didn't say this, but she was in effect saying, I'm going to dictate the pace of this game. You are not. Chris Paul said, uh-uh, what? And she said, 
technical. Mm. Maybe a quick whistle. Very quick whistle. <clears throat> and Chris Paul was very critical of it. He was not happy. He even made comments to the tune of, maybe this isn't cut out for her. Clearly, having at least acknowledging, in my eyes, he didn't come out and specifically say that it's because she's a female, but maybe this just isn't cut out for her. And insinuating, maybe, that because she's a female, and this is what people are reading into from it, because she's a female, maybe she's not the best fit for being an NBA referee. Hmm. Kelly, what do you think about this? I don't have a problem with what he said. I, and there may be... I, I don't. I, I think that there is some truth to the fact that he probably said exactly what he said in relation to the fact that she's a female. I don't think he would have been happy at all if the male had done that to him. I think he would have also complained. Maybe he should have... And she's the only one, right? I think, right? I think there's two. There's two? Hmm. So, so, and she's, by all accounts, you know... Good official. I think she is a good, pretty good official. From yeah. clearly, if she's in the NBA, right? Um, so Ashley, what do you think about it? Well, um, so there could be two parts to this. There's a part from I think that people are going to try to see that he's a male and she's the only fem- or she's a female referee, and he's trying to like talk down to her because she's a woman. And she's, quote, out of her league. There's the other side that she could have this feeling inside of her that I have to demand respect from these guys because they're not going to respect me as the only female official out here. So you're not going to talk back to me. You're not going to... Because apparently that was the issue, that he was smart enough to her or whatever. And there may have been times, but we, that's a great point, Ashley. Is we don't know exactly what led up to. We've all played basketball, mm-hmm. and I, as recent as this past Tuesday, I was in a basketball league where my team was given multiple technicals. <laughs> How many of those were on you? Guys? None of them actually were on me because I don't say anything. I give the refs really bad looks, but... I got uh, teed for that once. You can do that. If you're, if you're chirping at the ref and they're trying their best... And then later you you give them a bad look or you say this or you even no matter how minimal it is, the ref may have just had enough at that point. And that may be that the, the, the female official was at the tipping point and that Chris Paul saying any to anything to her at that point was well, too much. And that definitely, definitely could have been the case. The other thing we got to remember is if you've publicly criticized any official, man or woman, you're getting fined. Right. I mean, that's pretty much the standard. They don't let you criticize. Seems to be the official. case in most leagues. Yeah. So it's not like he got in a and twenty five thousand dollar fine is in in NBA terms is fairly not, I don't know if it's standard, but it's definitely not over the top. Um uh, so he got he got fined for criticizing an official, hmm. man or woman. Right? Yep. I mean that's the way that it should have been handled. Whether or not uh and uh, as far as the woman official goes I mean, at some point, she's got to kind of, she has to stand up and, and, and take control of the situation, and that's pretty much the, the weapon that she has to do so. You know, one technical doesn't eliminate you from the game. That means you better pay attention to the fact that you're not going to talk to me like that. It's kind of <laughs> like when, uh, when, I, when I went to teaching, the first piece of advice I got as a teacher was that don't smile till Christmas. You can, you can get nicer, but you can't get harder, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, I don't see anything wrong with what she did at all. To kind of just kind of 
make sure. And like we said, we don't know what led up. We don't know exactly what led up to it. Regardless, it is it has gotten the attention of many people, and and it's a topic that brings to light more so than anything has in the past the fact that there are now women referees in the NBA. San Antonio has a female assistant coach, I believe. They do. She was a great player um, when when she played too. I mean, for the for the for the. Uh, WNBA team in San Antonio. What does this signify? I mean, we have um, Michael Sam. We have. I know that this is all drawing. We had Rick Pitino of uh, Burned at Lockmatics as an assistant at Kentucky in the early nineties. Wow, that's right? something that not many people mention. I mean, it's not like this is a new thing. I don't think at all. Right? I don't think it is. It's just few and far in between. I just feel like this. this and this is you know, I coach girls basketball, and I coach women's basketball call at and at Spalding. I don't coach men. I don't coach women. I coach basketball players. There's not as big of a difference as people want to make it out to be. Yeah. I wouldn't coach Ashley any different than I would coach, you know, a guy that I coached in high school. It's not you're a basketball player at that point. I expect you to be just as tough. I expect you to be just as uh, I, I, the demands are going to be the same to give me the best that you can give. It's no different, um, um, you know. And a man, a woman, can coach a man the same way. I agree. Yeah. If I if I were to coach basketball, I would coach boys or men because, and then I think a lot of it's known personality type. Absolutely. If I if I coach girls, they would all be crying and hating me. That happens all the time. The, they all like, hate, I mean, they, cry. Yeah. they do cry. We have periods and all those great things that my <laughs> college coach. It took him a very long time to figure out. The Oxmoor Fort Lincoln <laughs> buzz line is Especially five zero. Zero. Same cycle. I mean, she's. Uh, yeah, and apparently he was on our cycle too because <laughs> um, it's funny that he used to always. Um, it seemed like we had the worst practices when he had on these gray khakis. Um, so every time he came in, everyone's like, "He's got on his period pants." Y'all, it's gonna be a rough day. <laughs> wow! Wow! Hopefully he's listening. Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line is five zero two three eight four fourteen fifty. If you want to get in on any of this very exciting talk regarding females. In basketball and in the world of sports, we'd love to hear from you about it. The Bobby Petrino gray shirting topic has really dominated the airwaves locally and nationally. But going under the radar to an extent is the fact that Bobby Petrino and Grantham and his entire coaching staff have put together a very respectable recruiting class. We have Mark Blankenbaker, also known as the sheriff of the CrunchZone.com, on the line with us. How are you doing this morning, Mark? I'm fantastic. How are you all? Good great, morning. Great to hear from you, Mark. Yeah, great to hear from you guys. We appreciate you joining us this morning, Mark. Um, before we get into the actual substantive reality of what is this recruiting class, what is your take on the whole Bobby Petrino versus Keith Olbermann saga? Well, you know, it was just shocking to me that uh, Keith Olbermann and still had a show um, anywhere on television. He's been fired from every single place that he's ever uh, worked. And, uh, you know, he's, he's always ba- basically just trying to get reactions out of people. And the whole Keith Olbermann and really the extension, the, the entire national media thing kind of treated this as Bobby Petrino pulled Matt Colburn's scholarship offer two days before signing day when the reality is uh, he offered him a gray shirt. So uh, Matt Colburn still had a scholarship offer uh, to come to the University of Louisville. And actually, you know, I've talked to the I've talked to Matt um, since this all happened. Uh, he wasn't as upset about it as his coaches were. 
uh, and about the adults around him. So a lot of the a lot of the uh, the reaction and the outrage and things like that really came from uh, uh, Matt Colburn's um, family and t- and coaches and administrators, and not really Matt Colburn himself. Uh, which is a shame because when Sheldrick Redwine decommitted, uh, the gray shirt offer probably would have turned into a regular scholarship offer. So he would have been able to come in August rather than December. Uh, and, you know, I just think that, you know, when you look at Bobby Petrino, he's a target. He's done some things in his life and in his early career that that's what people remember. And so whenever you whenever you have anything at all, that people can kind of jump on, even without understanding, they'll go ahead and, and just judge. There was 23 FBS programs that offered gray shirts to um, student-athletes in, uh, in this recruiting cycle. And, you know, it's a regular common practice. I mean, the University of Kentucky's done it. Alabama's done it. Every single program that has scholarship um, restrictions or number number crunching has to use the gray shirt option to get good players in, and unfortunately, it happened to Matt Colburn, and and uh, th- this was a bigger story than it really needed to be. What, what's the alternative, Mark? Is it is it Bobby Petrino and Grantham and McKee that they all avoid oversigning, and that they ultimately they sacrifice the product that is Louisville football recruiting? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, Bobby Petrino at his press conference said, you know, this is the only time that we get to manage our roster. And, you know, in every single instance, every single player that they ever bring onto any program, not just Louisville, as soon as they sign that player, they're trying to find a player better than that person. As soon as they get a commit from that player, they're trying to find a player better than that player. And that, that goes all across the board. They're always trying to find someone better. And if they're not trying to do that, they're not trying to win. In this case, Matt Colburn is Mr. Football in South Carolina, and he's outstanding, an outstanding uh, football player. It looks like he's going to go to Wake Forest, and we'll have to play him every single year. And that'll be a problem because, you know, he is a very good player. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's not the most ideal situation. Uh, but, you know, in college football, you get 85 scholarships. And this was more about the 85 uh, than it was the 25. Um, and at that point, you know, you have to just make a tough decision. If you got to commit too early or if you have a more pressing need because uh, you have some players leaving for the NFL that you didn't expect, well, then now you have to make some tough decisions. Um, but I think what happened here is that it just happened too close to signing day, and uh, Matt Colburn um, had a lot of trust in the coaches that he was going to be able to come and be a Cardinal and did not take his visits and did not entertain any other offers and was kind of left um out out without a you know out in the ocean without a, a lifeline so mark we appreciate you joining us if it's all right if you have a few minutes we'd like to head to a commercial break keep you on the line and get into a little bit more of the details regarding national signing day we're going to actually push <laughs> ashley's loco cinco back just a little bit if that's all right guys Oh, sure. no. Is that okay? The world will stop. No, we, we will. <laughs> Mark, are you able to hang on the line with us? Yeah, absolutely. All right, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. We're going to head to a break here. We will be back with more of the Weekend Sports Buzz. A little party all the time via Eddie Murphy.
Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 1450 WXVW. I'm sorry, Kelly, but I'm officially about to post this video of Mike dancing. Did you get a video? music. No, I didn't get it, but I wish I did. I'll tell you, I like that Eddie Murphy song. Right? I see how it is. What's that? You mute my mic. I did not Just mean to mute, mute the Kentucky fans mic. <laughs> All right. He muted the mic so Mark, that we could focus on your dancing. Mark, are you there? Absolutely. All right. So here's my question to you. Uh, so the the thing from what I saw and what I read is that Bobby uh, told this kid that they need to uh, make room because they had some uh, defensive backs leave for the NFL and they needed to fill some holes. Uh, Correct. But the only two defensive backs we have in this class is a kid that enrolled early and was enrolled and knew that he was coming before all these guys uh, made the jump to the uh, NFL draft. And another kid that was committed back in August. So where are these defensive backs? Are they going to flip some of these kids in this, in this class position-wise? Well, yeah. So what happened was um, they had Sheldrick Redwine uh, committed. Um, and then at the last minute, he actually committed over to Miami um, after some back and forth between Auburn and Miami and Texas. Sheldrick Redwine ended up uh, flipping his commitment from Louisville over to Miami. And so what they needed was they needed that, that corner and uh, so what, what they did was they've offered a couple guys uh, the, the spot since then. So there's one spot out there right now, and it's going to go to a defensive back at some point. And uh, I think what they're going to try to do is try to find a late qualifier or maybe even a fifth-year transfer because they really have uh, sort of an issue at the cornerback position uh, now, uh, and, and they're trying to kind of shore that up. They, they offered the spot to Treston. Uh, Dakud, who ended up committing to Oregon State at the last minute, and there's a guy out in Oklahoma whose name's escaping me right now uh, with an offer from Tulsa that may end up getting that last spot. But um, uh, they may hold it for, a, uh, you know, just see if a great player can come available that all of a sudden can become eligible. They've had some success doing that, uh, you know, getting those late players in May and June that, that when they get their grades in that they can feel comfortable offering them a scholarship. So this red wine kid, did he – it looks like the just trying to look at his timeline. It looks a little weird, I guess. He committed it is. and committed <laughs> in early January. Then did he open it back up and then com- recommit in the end of January and then open it back up and then finally commit to Miami? Is this what happened? Yeah, he was basically between he he was committed um, some at a smaller school. Then he committed to Louisville. Then he basically re- committed to Auburn. It was like a verbal, but then I don't know if it actually showed up on his timeline or not. And then he backed out of that, committed back to Louisville, and then at the day before signing day, uh, committed to Miami. And at that point, Louisville had already um, offered um, Colburn the uh, gray shirt option uh, with the with the understanding that Sheldrick Redwine would come to the University of Louisville, but they only had one spot left. Redwine was going to get it over Colburn, uh, but his back and forth really hurt um, you know, Matt Colburn's, uh, you know, co- uh, recruiting uh, f- to be a Cardinal. Um, and so, because Louisville really was prioritizing that cornerback position o- over a running back position, which, which they got two running backs in this class. So it, it didn't work out well, but it is a numbers game. And um, they were able to get some players, um, you know, in January that I think that they didn't necessarily expect to get. And so they were better players. So they just asked Colburn to delay his enrollment uh, from August into December. And, uh, you know, apparently there, some of his coaches and coaching staff uh, 
didn't take too kindly to that. Felt like they were disrespecting the the athlete. And, uh, you know, what happened next uh, was unfortunate. Mark, um, it is February 8th. The Louisville men's basketball team is ranked currently top 10. May fall below that. Um, But the main topic that we're talking about is football (laughs) recruiting. Is that more reflective of the fact that football has really grown within the University of Louisville athletics program? Or is it that we all have tapered expectations for this basketball team? Well, I think I think the basketball team, you know, I think that they are showing at this point that they can that they are flawed, but that they still can manage to play with basically anybody. You go ten and a half minutes last night without scoring and you only lose by five, and that's a pretty decent uh loss on the road. But yeah, I think, you know, football's growing as a sport um at U of L. I think we've seen that over the past decade. Uh they finish in the top twenty five uh, I think seven out of the last 14 seasons, uh, you know, and that's, that's a big deal when you're finishing the AP top 25 that often and the, the bowl games that they've been able to go to and the, the wins. And now going into the ACC, the recruiting game is a lot more exciting because you're able to get into some um, houses and into some high school programs that you weren't able to get into before uh, because these kids wanted to go to major college football programs and, uh, the Big East wasn't cutting that, but you know the ACC really is. And when you have a coach like Bobby Petrino, who has he's coached ten seasons in college football, and he has three of those um, three of those seasons he's finished in the top six. Uh, you know, he, people can say whatever they want to say about Bobby Petrino, but he wins at football, and he he puts players into the NFL. Louisville has eleven players in the NFL Combine this year, and a lot of that's the work of Charlie Strong and the, the way that he stockpiled talent here. But Bob Petrino has a history of doing that here at Louisville, here um, over at Arkansas. And, uh, you know, he'll do that. He'll continue to do that um, at the University of Louisville because the recruiting classes that he's been able to get have been some of the best that have ever happened uh, here at the school. Uh, the, the one yesterday uh, or the one this week actually, that they got um, was actually just below the 2011 rating. And if Louisville can move from the from the round the top 30 recruiting rankings into the top 20, and I know that's a that's a big jump moving from 30 to 20 in recruiting, uh, then then the program really can take the next step because they're finishing in the top 25 regularly even without top 25 recruiting classes. So that should tell you about the level of coaches, the level of of uh, you know really development and the program and the players. And uh, it's it's a fun time to be a card fan and. They're going to be they're going to be playing some really big waters, some big time programs. But Louisville is a big time program now, and uh, it's just going to continue to be more and more competitive. And the fans' interest is going to be there uh, as we move forward. The ACC. You, uh, go ahead, go ahead, Dash. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about um, the sign of Devonte Fields? Because that's something we hadn't really touched on today, but we've it's come up briefly in conversation. Um, I don't know who brought it up. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, this one Wildcat <laughs> fan in here brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> but can you give us your insight on that? Obviously, you know, there's been, like, Dexter Heyman has spoken out um, in support of the sign of Devontae Fields. There's been a lot of conversation about his past and um, the allegations of domestic violence, all of those types of things. Um, what's your take on that? Well, you know, I think when, when you look at it, um, you know, TCU's Gary Patterson came out and really backed Devontae Fields and his move to coming over to the University of Louisville and Todd Grantham and Bobby Petrino did a great deal of research and the, st- the the case is still pending and 
and the sense that I get uh, from talking to uh, Todd and to, and to Bobby on Wednesday is that they wanted to really say more about Devontae Fields and especially the incident that happened. If you look at it originally, uh, the, the female involved, his ex-girlfriend, um, made the accusation that there was a gun involved, and then she actually recanted that story later. Uh, whenever that happens, uh, you know, I don't know that I don't know what happened in this instance. I think we will learn uh, once the case actually is um, adjudicated in court. Uh, we'll understand more about what actually happened in that case. But just from talking to the coaches and and the endorsement that Fields got from the coaching staff at TCU, I think that in the end, right now we don't know everything because it hasn't made its way through the court, but it, it has been, it has been, um, you know, I guess it's not, it's not felony. It's a misdemeanor at this point. Uh, and it's domestic violence and everybody's very sensitive to that. Um, but just from talking to the coaches that think that they feel strongly that this was a raw deal for fields and that, you know, it's an unfor another unfortunate incident, but maybe it was made out worse, uh, than it really, really ended up being. Um, and, We'll end up seeing, you know, we could we could all come back and say, you know, Louisville probably shouldn't have signed Devontae Fields in the end, but uh, we don't know that, and the coaches do, and we'll have to figure that out um, here in a couple months. Plenty of examples of guys like Willie Williams, or even Michael Dyer to an extent, who we give a second chance to, and they don't really pan out like we thought they were going to. On that same token, Cam Newton had some controversy at Florida transferred to Auburn. I think he had a pretty successful stint at Auburn. So there are plenty of success stories. I would look at it, in my opinion, as a relatively low risk. Other than the public backlash, which clearly Bobby Petrino does not care about. Nope. No, he doesn't <laughs> care about backlash at all. I mean, he's he's all about, if I go in and if I can find this kid, if, he can, if he's a good football player, if I can look him in the eye, and if I can feel good about giving this kid a second chance... Uh, then he may, he'll probably give it to him. I mean, if, you can't be Bobby Petrino and say, okay, one strike and you're out, because Bobby Petrino wouldn't be in the situation that he's in if he was a one strike and you're out guy. Cam Newton, like you talked about, I mean, he almost came to Louisville. Um, he was he came on a visit to the University of Louisville, ended up choosing Auburn. His relationship with Charlie Strong almost brought him uh, to U of L. I mean, he obviously made a great decision uh, going to Auburn for himself, and that would have been amazing for uh, Louisville to have him on campus for a season. But there's a mountain of players that have even gotten in trouble at their respective programs across the country, and if coaches drew, drew a hard line um, on them. Uh, you know, they wouldn't have been able to finish their college degree. It would have, you know, they're kids. They're 18 to 22-year-old kids, and they make mistakes all the time. If you look at statistics of 100 uh, males, athlete males, and 100 non-athlete males, the arrest record, the arrest rate in college is actually higher with the non-athlete males, but you don't hear about them because they're not significant um, and, and newsworthy, um, but the athletes, you know, they're actually like half of the arrest rate. But a lot of times, you know, people want to make make it out to be that, you know, some programs are just overrun with with bad kids. But the fact is, is that 18 and 22 year old kids make bad choices, bad decisions. They haven't um, really had a lot of uh, exposure to alcohol. And that happens, of course, in college, which we all know because we were all in college. And we know what it's like to be a college student. So, uh, you know, sometimes it's when you get further and further away from that, 
people forget what it was like and and how easy it is to make a mistake at that point in your life. And when you're an athlete, it's just you know it's exposed at a, at a much higher rate and it's much more sensitive. So um, you know we'll find out about Devonte Fields. I think initially a lot of the fan base was sort of like I don't know about that. Uh, but I think when they hear the whole story, uh, and I think you know when we all hear the whole story, we'll, we'll be a little bit more uh, comfortable with the situation, especially when it's third down. Mark, we appreciate you joining us this morning. Before we let you go, obviously, thecrunchzone.com, a very successful uh, site that you guys run covering in very great detail everything that has to do with U of L athletics. Anything else you want to get out there to our listeners before we let you go? Uh, no, you know, we're just we're really excited about the basketball season. Louisville just got through a, a, a four out of five games on the road. They're going to now come home for four out of five games at home. So uh, really excited about February basketball. We're going to continue to cover everything at thecrunchzone.com for, for you guys. And I really appreciate you all having us on. All right. Thank you very Good much, morning. Mark. Have a great rest of your Thank weekend. You. <laughs> we're actually going to head to a break here. On the other side, Hink, everybody out there, you guys know it. We've got... Ashley's Loco Cinco up next. (laughs) So be sure to stay tuned to the Weekend Sports Buzz, which is brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 1450 WXVW. The Weekend Sports Buzz is brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. Call 502-587-0041 to reach Brandon, the best personal injury attorney in the city of Louisville. Any questions regarding medical malpractice, get hit by a bus, any of that fun stuff, give Brandon a call. He'd love to answer your questions for you. 502-587-0041. We are well past the 11 o'clock hour, so I know Hink and all our other listeners are anxiously waiting for the most popular segment on either television or radio in the Louisville Southern Indiana market. And that is Ashley's Loco Cinco, also known as Ashley's Crazy. So with no further ado, Mike, you got this? With no further ado... You gotta turn Sorry, his mic with, on. with no further Jeez. <laughs> Here's <laughs> Ashley's crazy. Yeah. Yes, she is. Mm. All right. No uh, further ado. Ashley's crazy. All right. Um, the first story. I don't know if you guys heard about this or not, but um, which I didn't know this was a thing. But apparently, Chevy gives a truck to the Super Bowl MVP. Did you all know that? Yes. So. Um, Tom Brady was saying that he wanted to give his truck to Malcolm Butler um, because he's actually the one that got the interception to win the game for them. So um, Malcolm Butler is apparently one step closer to getting that free truck um, because now the powers that be are at Chevy are actively discussing giving him his own truck so that Tom Brady doesn't have to give up his MVP truck. You think Tom Brady really cares about a Chevy truck? He probably does not, but okay. it's a free truck. <laughs> right? So His wife makes $100 million a year. But that is a nice gesture. 
It's a I, nice gesture. I don't it's think. Very nice I don't gesture. think. Reg- you know, regardless of how much money you have, giving somebody a brand new truck isn't easy for anybody. I wouldn't think, right? Well, I mean, it's just he's easier for him than it would be for me. Right. I don't think that's the. You know. I, that's what's, not the what's point. He gonna, he's going to put it somewhere in his garage. Garage, yeah, probably. Drive it and, or he might drive it for some appearances and or... take some pictures and stuff like that. Anyway, Chevy confirmed um, yesterday that they are giving him his own truck, and he's actually going to get it on Tuesday. So Malcolm Butler just came up really big. Got his own truck. Well, he uh, became like from no name to star of the or hero of the Super Bowl to. New truck from Chevy for free. He just has to pay the taxes. We were this close to having a Kentucky player be the star of the Super Bowl, going for no name. I, he's, you're right. He really came out of nowhere, and we haven't talked about that at all. Chris Matthews mm-hmm. coming out of nowhere and looking great. He's big. He's physical. Isn't it amazing how you can just – at the wide receiver position, uh, who's the guy for the Broncos – Years ago, Rod Smith. Oh yeah, oh, the yeah. undrafted type yeah. guy. How that can in football, and this ties somewhat back into how it's an inexact science of the recruiting rankings we we're talking about. Is I mean, Chris Matthews looked like um, Vincent Jackson or every bit of big one range. of those big physical wide receivers, receivers yep. that's so trendy and in, in in vogue these days. And he just looks great in the Super Bowl, despite having never caught a pass in the NFL before. Right. All right. Story number two. Sorry about that. Story number two. Story number two, speaking of gifting cars, um, apparently it's no secret that Phoenix Suns guard Isaiah Thomas and boxing champ Floyd Mayweather are friends, but uh, most pals don't drop a couple hundred thousand dollars for their friend's birthday. So um, Isaiah Thomas turned 26 um, yesterday, February 7th, and according to his Twitter account, received a Bentley as a gift from Floyd Mayweather. Um, He tweeted... You got me riding in style. Thanks, something like that. Um, but if that's true, everybody should want to be Floyd Mayweather's friend. I'd rather have a Bentley than a Chevy truck for winning the Super Bowl. Shouldn't you get a Bentley for winning the Super Bowl MVP instead of getting a Chevy truck? Well, or maybe like a Maserati. It or... all depends on the money that's being thrown <laughs> around. The sponsor, that's right. That was cheaper than getting a Super Bowl ad. That's all it was for, for Chevy. <laughs> right? <laughs> It's cheaper than a commercial. Who was it who jumped over a Kia? I mean, who has a contract Uh, with Kia? Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin. So, I mean, yeah. You don't always get your choice. It's the companies that are willing to throw the money out. Tiger and Peyton rolling in Buicks. Speaking of... (laughs) Matthew McConaughey and the Lincoln. Who was... There was one commercial that was a car company where the guy was like trying to take Viagra and it fell out oh, of the window. Oh, yeah, like, Fiat commercial? Yeah, it was a Fiat commercial. (laughs) That was the best commercial. That was the best commercial I saw the entire time. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> so there's that. By the way, your boy in here for the knockout hour looks just like Matthew McConaughey. He's heard that before. I'm he sure has, he has heard that a time or two. <laughs> That's well, so right, funny. Right, right, right. You you had never heard that, had you, Mike? What? That he looks like Matthew McConaughey? I've never met the guy before. Okay. Isn't yeah. that funny that, that regardless? Everybody yeah. says that. That is funny. That right. is funny. Ben Sargent joined us from 9 till 10 for the knockout hour, 3-0 and as a professional, 29-year-old fighter. Here, here locally, he spent time in Vegas and California, but there's, Although, a, there's a little plug for the knockout hour. Yeah. I asked um, when he fought again, he said, hopefully March, and I said, well, message me on Facebook so I know, and he says, I'm going to poke you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, what is poking on Facebook anyways? Does anyone actually really know? No, what does that even mean? Like, I'm know. trying to get your attention, hey. Yeah. I like, what? I don't know, but that could may or may not be inappropriate. I'm, I'm um, sure it wasn't appropriate. <laughs> 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 All right. On to story, story number three. Story number three. Um, 
apparently, Dallas Cowboys running back Joseph Randall tried to pay his child's mother $20,000 to abort their child. Um, but apparently she turned them down, and she, of course she did. And she's now going after him for child support. So Dahlia Jacobs um, is her name, but she filed court documents in Kansas demanding that Randall fork over more than $5,000 a month to help pay for their one-year-old son. Jacob says that he has barely been involved in the kid's life and made it clear from the start that he was not supportive of the pregnancy. Um, when she when she told him that she was pregnant, he offered her 5000 and 10000 followed by $20,000 to not have the child. Um, her attorney is now speaking to media sources about this. Um, but apparently, obviously she rejected the offer and says their relationship has been a nightmare ever since then. So, um, it actually was her who called police from a hotel in Wichita last weekend claiming that Randall had a gun and was in fear for her life. Um, Randall was arrested on marijuana possession. Um, that charge has since been dropped, but cops are still investigated the allegations of domestic violence. Um, apparently media has reached out to Randall and his rep multiple times for comment and they're not saying anything except for Randall's lawyers reiterating that he's done nothing wrong during the hotel incident um, and had no comment on the child support issues. But wow. It's very sad. I got, I got to admit something though. When I first saw this headline, it just said Randall and I was freaking out. You were thinking Julius. It's <laughs> like, Oh no, what did Julius do? But thank goodness it wasn't Julius. Uh, uh, but yeah, very sad for this to happen to anyone. Um, that is horrible. And I mean, there's no winners in a situation like that. No. Especially when you bring into the, the parenting and all that stuff. I mean, that's just sad. Story number four. Story number four. Um, kind of a good story, I think. It's been 13 years and counting since uh, Maurice Claret has gone or left from Ohio State University, but apparently now he is back on track to graduate from Ohio State and expects to have his degree in two years. Um, so he's spoken out a little bit. Um, we know Maurice Claret, of course, he dominated college football back in 2002, 2003. Um, I think they actually, there's a documentary out about his life and story, which is amazing. There should be, gosh. Yeah, it's really great. Um, and he has been saying that he's trying to do the school thing when he first got out of prison, but um, his attempt to come back in football got in the way. Now he said he's moved on from football. He's focused on growing. Um and packaging or growing his packaging business and graduating from OSU. He said they opened up so their arms. Huh? Is he a dealer? Oh my gosh. Good, <laughs> they, for, good for him. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Somebody else to take on the the resident thug role from Kelly Patrick. Please. I mean, um, the, the, <laughs> the weight on my shoulders is unbearable. It really is. He said that they opened their arms to him and said, We'd like you to finish your degree. And they've even. Um, offered to help him with some funding. So he said he'll take most of his courses online because he travels a lot for work. Um, but he formed a company with some guy out of Oklahoma who has a PhD in polymer science. Um, he said apparently he's a whiz in the packaging industry and they um, distribute pallets and other packing material. So that's his business. Good for, so. good for him, man. He really took a, a very bizarre turn into the world of... of <laughs> Under you know, uh, organized crime and just all sorts of crazy sub stories mm-hmm. to that Maurice Claret uh, train wreck that turned into his career. All right, he got early release from prison, and then he just recently got early release from his probation after prison. So mm-hmm. he's obviously doing something's right. Yeah, his I can't remember the name of the documentary. It's actually on Netflix. Um, 
about his life and his story and all the stuff that he went through at Ohio State and then afterward, um, even into substance abuse and stuff like that. It's a really, really, really awesome story. All right. Story number five. Story number five in this one I saved for Kelly Patrick. Yes, yes. Um, one of the most famous strip clubs in New York City <laughs> is officially trying to rub all the NBA players the right way. So they are yes. officially offering free lap dances to every single player in the building during All-Star Weekend. <laughs> Um, and this place is called Scores, in case you decide you want to fly up there, Kelly. <laughs> Very famous <laughs> from the Howard Stern Show, right? Yes. R- really? <laughs> and it says, um, you have to be on an NBA roster, even if you never play, as long as I you're on the roster. as an NBA player. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. Um, but the coaches, the owners, and general managers are out of luck. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> they said, he said, think of it as the stripper's way of giving back. I'm His, done. <laughs> they're just trying to protect Doc Rivers. Historically, the... Uh, Paul George and Doc Rivers, is that what you mean? Yeah, golly, that's horrible. Historically, the NBA All-Star Game and strip clubs has been a bad recipe for just disaster. Adam Pac-Man Joe's, his his whole ordeal ended up as a result of an NBA All-Star Weekend festivity that ended up in a strip club. So my vote goes to story number five, no question about it. I mean, we figured that. I mean, there's a (laughs) no-brainer. Mike, you got a vote? Yeah, I mean, I guess there would be a lot of con- former Kentucky players at the NBA All-Star game, or the, at Scores in New York if you want to go up there and check that, right? <laughs> For those of our NBA play- current NBA players who are listening. Yes. Uh, yeah, that, story number five. Let's go with it. All right. Jeez, it's, a good, it's a good marketing ploy. No question about it. The other stuff we've talked about this morning that is lightning rod for caller attention would be the Chris Paul story. Actually, I didn't quite get your take. I mean, you, you think overall – is it does Chris Paul deserve to be fined anything beyond the regular amount that someone would be fined for criticizing an official? No, because she's a female. No, okay. Because if you're, then that that gets messy. Because it's like if you're, then you're like male versus female who's getting preferential treatment and all those types of things. Like a referee, it should be a referee, and an official it should be an official. If you smart off to an official and you get a tech. Or, and then you talk smack about them later. If it is routine for him to get a fine, he should get that same fine. Sure. Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line is 502-384-1450. We're going to head to the buzz line now. We've actually got a caller on the line who wants to chime in about the Chris Paul situation. We have Marcellus on the line with us. How are you doing this morning, Marcellus? I'm doing well, and yourself? Doing great. We appreciate you calling in. What do you have for us this morning? Hey, I'm going to have to agree with... Um the same thing that you all just said, um, even in different sports, we have like the, with the a couple years ago, you had the NFL replacement refs. I mean, they got a lot of criticism for that game with Seattle and Green Bay and that call there. And um, I think that our athletes nowadays, they almost dictate calls too much. You see people get up off the court or get up on the field and like throwing their hands up for a pass interference or a foul. And, and the rest buy into that. I mean, sadly, and I am a Cowboys fan myself, um, the game against Detroit, uh, against Detroit when Des Bryant came onto the field, I mean, clearly that should have been a flag. I mean, and there was no no reasoning of why they picked it up or why Des Bryant didn't get flagged or or called for anything. Um, I just think that that's a problem. I think entertainment-wise, I like <laughs> I like the fact that, or I feel like athletes should be able to criticize, but um, the main factor here, I think, is because that Chris Paul said the word her. Um, I don't think there's ever 
or actually a lot of the articles that I've seen, it seems like they try to question Chris Paul's character. And um, he has numerous uh, foundations, and he's always doing community service. You always see on the NBA Cares, he's always there whenever they show Clippers highlights. I think I just saw something this Christmas where they showed him, Kevin Hart, and I think it was Ekpe Udo, were just handing out gifts in like a, a local Walmart or something. So he's, I mean? he's a good guy. Absolutely, absolutely. But I think that you get, um, you even hear reporters say, like, I think Stephen A. Smith and uh, Skip Bayless have said on numerous times, like, Chris Paul is a pit bull on the court. Um, in that instance, I think you said, or it showed, if you saw the video, it almost looked like he was crowding up on her, and she might have felt uh, a little bit uncomfortable in that situation, and that's why he teed her up. And I think um, that's the reasoning for that. But, like, I think Chris Paul is just like any other uh, one of us athletes. Uh, I had the opportunity to coach my JV soccer or high school soccer team, and I think I made a little bit more noise on the sideline than I did with this, as an athlete, but it's just a different realm when you're in that mode. I find myself yelling at the TV screen sometimes when I'm playing a video game <laughs> against my roommate. So, I mean. I can uh, I totally understand what Marcel is saying, because if you would have came to the fifth and sixth grade basketball game that I was coaching yesterday, you would not – it would not be the same person that you're listening to on the radio. What do you mean by that? I'm a little intense. What do you I, mean I'm the by same that? way. Huh? I'm the same way on the court. I'm a competitor. Like, you can forget all that sweet, nice pageant model girl stuff. Yeah. yeah. Now, Marcellus, <laughs> I know, um, having talked to you before, I know you actually participated collegiately in some athletics. So, uh, were you the type guy who would be outspoken when on the uh, field of, of competition? What did you do? You ran track? Yeah, I ran track and field, and I think in that sport, uh, it's a little, it's kind of minimal communication between, I mean, literally between you and the the person that's shooting the gun. That's that's about all you hear is on your mark, it's set, and then bang. Um, so there's little or minimal communication between the two, um, but I think it definitely showed my competitive side. Um, like I said, this past summer when I had that coaching and I think my other coaches brought it out of me, like I was on the sideline yelling at the rest, like you're horrible. That's the worst call I've ever seen. I've never, I've never been like that on the field, but I mean, on the sideline, it was just another, it's another me, but I don't think that defines Chris Paul. I mean, him being a competitor on the court should not define what he is off the court. I don't think he's sexist by any, any stretch of the means. I mean, what was it, a couple of years ago, I think against the the Lakers, Pau Gasol just came up and rubbed his head like good try or something like that, and he almost snapped on him. Um, it's just a different, it's a different animal when you're on the court. No question about it. Back to your original point that you called in about, which was regarding the NBA. I happen to be hosting the show here, Marcellus, with two acknowledged NBA, current day NBA haters. <laughs> Marcellus, please make a case for the current state of the NBA is being strong. The Atlanta Hawks are unbelievable. Have, the, have the best record in the NBA. Why does that mean our listeners should care about the NBA, Marcellus? Um, or, or should they? Should they? He's got nothing. Or should they? <laughs> what, what does that say? They got Al Horford. They got Jeff Teague. They've got Absolutely. some some good they players. Have no superstar. Yes, they have. It seems like, and they even made a. Um, they even showed it a little bit last year when they took the uh, Pacers to seven games. I mean, they're a team full of role players, it seems like. Jeff T's not going to make any all-star games. Al Horford may be an all-star. Paul Millsap, uh, kind of a role player. But you just see them getting it done collectively. Um, 
Atlanta was one of the, I think they were one of the most, or they had one of the least attended games probably rated in the past few years. I think their attendance rate has been pretty bad. And I think they're just showing they're uplifting the, the community by winning. I think that the NBA, um, it's just, it's it's good competition. There isn't as much defense, of course, but I just think it's a great, it's a great competition. I mean, you don't, you don't get any higher than the NBA. Shelvin Mack out of Lexington, obviously played for Butler, is averaging 13.7 minutes per game off the bench for that Hawks team. Uh, Kyle Korver, Al Horford, Jeff Teague, Paul Millsap. So there's a lot of guys on this team, you know, that, that we've heard of. Elton Brand's playing 12 and a half minutes a game. He's only played 17 games. He may be hurt right now, actually. Um, but, you know, it, it's, a, it's out of the San Antonio Spurs school, the head coach whose name's slipping me right now. It used to be an assistant to Popovich. So the NBA, in my opinion, is strong today. Mark Buttonholzer. Okay, thank you. It's Mike, ma- Mike Buttonholzer, sorry. It's a, it's a mouthful there. Marcellus, we really appreciate you calling in this morning. We look forward to hearing from you again soon. Thank, thank you. Thank you for having me. I love the show, man. Thanks, Thanks a lot, man. Marcellus. Good stuff there, guys. I know I tried to turn it into a, uh anti- or pro-NBA type deal. No, I mean, the NBA is, uh, you know, the more Kentucky players in there, the better it's getting. But Anthony uh, Davis is the best player in the NBA. How can you not like it? He went down last night. He did. did. He did go down. He got, I mean, it was uh, it was a hard, hard fall. How serious is that? Uh, well, it looks like he's going to be okay. I think it was just kind of a contusion. He didn't play the rest of that game, but he. Uh, I'm sure it looks like he's going to be okay. And then uh, Rondo's hurt right now, too. Got got hit in the eye, I think. And uh, uh, But, yeah, I mean, it's the NBA to me is – I don't know what Ashley feels. There's two things I don't really care about the NBA. I think, first off, the atmosphere of a college game is ten times better than the atmosphere. NBA, NBA games are a ton of fun to go to, though. Uh, see, I disagree. I, I, I don't mind them. I mean, I, oh. I mean, like a Pacers game? When was the last time you went to a, I'm not questioning you, literally. When was the last time you went to a Pacers game? Um, I'm dead. You hear me? What? I can hear you. Uh, the last time I went to a Pacers game was... Um, <sighs> It's been a couple years. Okay. Uh, Did you not have fun? It can say it was okay. Or Banker's I mean, Life, whatever it's it, called. It was okay. Were they not shooting T-shirts out of the T-shirt gun and getting you all jazzed up in the open wet bar? And I mean, it's kind of like going. I'm not, you know, it, to an extent, it's kind of like going to a Louisville game. Yeah, there's not much difference between that and a Louisville game. There, there really isn't. And I'm not saying that in a negative. Except are you? for are you? the fan involvement during the actual play. So that that would be what I'm saying. The fan involvement during the actual play, to me, is much better at a college game. The fans just seem to be, you know, you get things like what Arizona State was doing yesterday with the curtain, which was hilarious, by the way. Did you all see this? What? What were they doing? So, like, when Arizona was shooting free throws, what they, Arizona State, you all have to look this up. They call it the curtain of distraction. The curtain of distraction. So they would have, like, in the middle of the student section behind where Arizona is shooting free throws, they'd... They'd put up this, like, small curtain. They'd open it up, and they'd have, like, a skit playing. <laughs> and, it, and it, you know, there was a lot of Arizona guys that missed free throws. It was actually kind of funny. Um, but you, just the, the, the band and the, just, the, just the overall feel to me at a college game is a lot more fun than an NBA game. There's also something to be said to me. Like, these are the best athletes and best basketball players in the world. And it's almost you've got to appreciate how good they are because some of the things they can do with the basketball is amazing. But being a defensive guy that I am, uh, the defense there, it's first off, the defense can be great and not really matter because those guys are so good offensively. I, I like to see, I guess, a little bit more... Um, Defensive intensity? Yeah, uh, yeah. 
And it's hard to have that in an 82-game schedule, you know? What do you think, Ashley? Yeah, I mean, it's tough to 